0: Uh, Today's sermon is called Freedom in Chains. You know, there's a pastor who once said, uh, convictions are the compasses of life that keep us moving in the right direction. They are the foundational stones that help us to stand firm when everything around us is shaking and changing. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Back in 2006, I'm not sure if you remember this, but there was an event, a really bad event, event that happened in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, only a couple of hours away from here. A young man had walked into an Amish community, and he went into a one-room schoolhouse, and he ended up shooting. There were five children who died and five children who were injured. After the shooting, he ended up killing himself. Now, what happened afterwards caused headlines. Because the night of the shooting, the families whose children were affected, they ended up going to the shooter's family, his parents. And they went there in order to support, pray, and encourage those parents. They said, look, we lost children, but we know that you lost a child too. And we want you to know that we are here for you, that we are praying for you, and that we're here to support you. After talking to the parents, they went to the shooter's family because he had a wife and three kids. And, he sp- and they spoke to them, same thing. And then they ended up setting up a charity fund in order to support that family. This made headlines everywhere because questions kept on being raised. How did this community end up forgiving these people so quickly? How did, this, how did these families whose children passed away, how, how were they able to still go and support and encourage and love this other family? In fact, there were some news pundits who were very critical. And they would say things like, man, they actually shouldn't have forgiven that quickly that maybe their forgiveness was a false type of forgiveness because they should have waited until there was remorse shown. They should have waited because the other family needed to feel guilty in order for them to be truly forgiven. After all of that, there was an opportunity for some interviewers to interview the Amish families. And they asked that question. They said, how were you able to respond in that way? And these families all said just one thing. They said that the reason they were able to forgive was because simply for them, they believed that Jesus Christ forgave them. They said that for them, they committed every sin possible, that they, for them, they were murderers in their spirit. And yet Jesus Christ was still able to forgive them and so of course they should be able to forgive others. Church, what what these families are pointing out is that our response as Christians is not dependent on other people. It's not dependent on how good or bad our circumstances are. Our response as Christians is dependent upon our conviction in, in the gospel. Do you church truly believe that jesus christ died for your sins do you fully commit to that fact is that the very foremost part of who you are that when you were dead in your sins that there was nothing that you could do to earn eternal life that there was nothing that you could do to be adopted into his family but god so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die on your behalf, that it was simply through grace, that it was simply because of his love, it was simply because of who he was, that you are now accepted into his family. If that is your conviction, if that is truly at the forefront of who you are, then it doesn't matter It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter if they show remorse or not. It doesn't matter if they should be forgiven or if they should be loved or if they deserve it. What matters is your conviction to the truth of what Jesus Christ did in your life. And if that's true for you, man, no matter what circumstance, no matter how good, no matter how bad, you will still be able to respond well. The reason I bring this up is because in this passage, we see two people, Paul and Silas. And man, if you want to talk about unfair and bad circumstances, you have it here. Because what we had just read in this passage is that, man, they were treated unfairly. They were given false accusations. They were put in jail without a trial. They were beaten and tortured And yet it says that they were praying and singing hymns to God. How were they able to respond in that way? You see, the answer is simple and yet so difficult. It's because their conviction in the gospel was greater than the fear that they had in their circumstances. Of course, of course jail would have been difficult. We're going to go into that. Of course, their torture must have hurt. Of course. I'm not trying to belittle that. I'm not trying to disparage that. But what is also true is that for them, those things were light in comparison to the gospel, the truth of their lives. Their identity was based upon what Jesus Christ did for them. That's why they were able to sing praise. That's why they were able to pray. That's why they were still able to rejoice always. And so right now, church, what we're going to do is look at Paul and Silas and we're going to follow their story because I want you to understand that your convictions, whatever they are, they will drive your life. Your convictions are your moral compass. They will guide you either in the right direction towards the Lord or they will drive you away from him. Because the question is, Not whether you have conviction or not. The question is, what is your conviction in? Is it in the gospel or is it in something else? And I want us to explore this passage because it's only when our conviction is in the gospel that you will find true freedom, even if that means you are in chains. There are three things that we can see today. First is that they were treated unfairly. Second is that they praised God. And third is that they were set free. First is that Paul and Silas were treated unfairly. So You see, church, to understand what happens, we have to actually look uh, a couple verses earlier. See, last week, we talked about this demon-possessed girl, the slave girl who could tell fortunes. Now, Paul, he ends up casting out the demon, and as a result, it says that the masters were furious because they weren't able to make an income anymore. They weren't able to profit off of her. And so the masters drag Paul and Silas to the rulers of the city, and they say in verse 20 to 21, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. What we see here is that there are two ways that Paul and Silas were treated unfairly. First is that they were falsely accused. What we know is that these, the slave girl's owners, that they were upset because they had lost the source of income. Paul and Silas, all they did was cast out the demon. There's nothing illegal about that. That was fine. And yet what the accusations were here is that they are disturbing the city and that they are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. That was nothing. They're making things up in order for the crowd to get upset, in order to convince the rulers so that Paul and Silas would go to jail. The second way that they were treated unfairly was that they were beaten and thrown without a trial. They weren't given an opportunity to defend themselves. They were just immediately cast into prison. Verse 24 says, having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. What we know about this is that the inner prison were the prison cells where there was no light and no fresh air. It also says that they were put in bonds or in stocks. Now, when you and I think of stocks, man, we don't really get the right idea of it because for a lot of us, we think of, what, King's Dominion, maybe Six Flags, maybe Disneyland, when we take the picture and it's all nice and and people are smiling and it's, it's good, right? But back then, it was a little different because the holes that you would think of were to put your arms and your legs, they weren't right next to each other. They were actually put as far away as possible because what stocks are meant to do is actually tear apart or rip apart your muscles and your tendons to make sure that your limbs are in the most uncomfortable position that they can possibly be in. They are meant to be a form of torture. You see, church, before Paul and Silas could even say a single word of defense, they were thrown in jail, they were falsely accused, they were beaten and tortured. Now, the question is, what does this mean for us, right? Does it mean that we will experience what Paul and Silas experienced? No, I don't think so. Because considering that most of us live in the DMV area in the 21st century, I don't think that this is an expectation that we, any of us will really have. We, I don't think any of us are going to really experience this type of treatment. However, this is a lesson that I think is important in this life you will be treated wrongly that in this life you will be treated unfairly and here's the thing that should not be a surprise for you as a christian first peter 4:12 it says dear friends do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you don't be surprised Just because God is Lord over everything doesn't mean that he will spare you from intense trials or unfair situations. It is a false gospel to say that the more faith that you have, the less hurt you will face. It is a false gospel to say that God loves you and therefore you will be safe from all types of trials. In fact, the Bible says that God will purposely put unfair trials in your life so that your faith would grow. Church, this is important because God does not give an exception to anyone. And that includes those who are in the middle of doing his will and of pursuing his kingdom. This means that unfair trials and difficult situations and suffering will occur to those who are following God's will to a T, who are doing their best in order to serve his kingdom. How do we know this? Have you guys heard of a missionary named Jim Elliott? He had felt a calling from God to go into missions to Ecuador. He prepared for years and years, and during that time he had married, he had a child, and finally he went to Ecuador. And For four years he was serving the people there And then all of a sudden, one day, he was killed by the very people he was trying to save. You see, even in that, Jim Elliott was in the will of God, not out of it. He was doing exactly what God had called him to do. And yet he was still killed in the mission field. Sometimes, church, trials are a part of God's will for your life. Sometimes, church, the unfair circumstances are in God's will for your life. And this is why when we look at Paul and Silas, we see that their response was so different than the response we see of so many other people because they were not lamenting. Maybe we missed the sign. Maybe we misinterpreted what God was trying to tell us. Maybe we should have gone over there instead of going over here. Maybe we didn't pray hard enough. Maybe we didn't read enough of the Bible. Maybe these things were happening. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No, they didn't say any of that. Instead, they trusted in the Lord that even in their trials, even in the hardships, that they were in God's will, that they shouldn't be surprised at what was happening. And so they were singing praises to the Lord, even in the worst circumstance of their life, church. And look, I know that for a lot of us, when we hear this, it doesn't necessarily bring that much comfort. Because what I'm saying, what the Bible is saying, is that you will go through suffering. But I hope that we don't lose hope. Because God, he does give us promises in the midst of our suffering. The first is that God, he says that he will be with us and that he will be strong even when we are weak. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is in our desperation that we will cling to Jesus Christ. It's only when we're drowning, church, that we will ever seek a lifesaver. It's only when we are treading water when we are barely breathing that we will try to look for that lifeboat and the reason why that is so important is because our true strength doesn't come from ourselves is not going to come from our abilities or our health or how good our careers are our true strength will come in our faith in Jesus Christ and trials help us to strengthen that faith Now, the second promise is that you will have peace even when you don't understand. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Even when you don't understand, you will have peace because you know that God understands what's happening. And even though you are not sovereign, even though you can't see the past or the future, God can see all of it, and He will take care of you. And lastly, the third promise is that God, He sees your pain. Psalm 56 8, it says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God, He sees your pain, He records every hurt. And most importantly, he refuses to run away. He is willing to hold you in your pain and in your sorrow, in the very depths, in the very worst parts of who you are. He will still be there holding on to you. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He will be with you, church. So Paul and Silas, you see, they are treated unfairly. And yet we see that their response is to pray and to sing. Verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You see, when times get difficult, Satan will begin putting thoughts in your mind. He's going to tempt us to think, If God is good, then why didn't he protect me? He's going to tempt us to think, if God really exists, then why am I going through this? And what we see here in this passage is that Paul and Silas show us that the only way, that the true way to resist the devil and these thoughts is to have a greater conviction of your faith. You see, church, the reason that we have doubts, the reason that we kind of get tempted to think about these different things is because we have forgot what God has done in our lives. We forgot that we were dead in our sins. We forgot that it was only Jesus Christ who could save us. We forgot that it was simply grace that saved us, church. And when we forget those things, man, that's when those thoughts begin to infiltrate our minds. That's when we begin to think, and maybe God isn't real. Maybe God isn't good. But Paul and Silas, they were able to praise and they were able to pray because they did not forget God's grace in their lives. This is why I know that for Paul and Silas, praising God was a habit. They would not have, they would not have been praising God or singing to God in the worst moments of their lives if they were not habitually praising God in the everyday small moments of their lives. Do you get what I'm saying? Church, when times are difficult and things get really hard, those are the times when your habits will, be, will begin to show. That's when the things that you have built up before will begin to show who you are now. You know that saying where they say, you know, your trials are where your true character shows? Look, trials are where your true habits show also. That when you have been praising God in the small moments, in the everyday moments of saying, God, I thank you for my health. I thank you for my my family. I thank you for my life today. I thank you for these little things. Guess what? When things get really difficult, that type of habit will automatically apply. I can guarantee you that Paul and Silas didn't begin thanking God in that moment. Absolutely not. They were thanking God even in the small times, even in the moments when maybe we would never have thought we, we, we would never have thanked God. They were thanking Him, and yet that helped build the habit where even in the worst moments, they were able to, to sing. They were able to praise. They were able to say thank you. You see, church, we know that eventually Paul and Silas that they would be freed here. But Paul and Silas, they didn't know that. For them, they, they thought that they would be executed the next day. Their singing, church, was not based on their knowledge of a happy outcome. It was based on what God had already done in their lives. Their praises to God was not based upon something that may be good, something that maybe blessings could happen in the future. No, no. Their praises were based upon what God had already accomplished for them. That needs to also be the truth for us. As Christians, our conviction comes from what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. He has given us this free grace. Is that your conviction, church? And that's why for Paul, man, he could be in prison, he could be in a boat, he could be on land, and he would still be thankful for what God had done. A scholar named G. Campbell Morgan said, Paul did not sing because he was to be let out of prison. He sang because prison did not matter. For so many of us, man, I I know that we don't think this way. We base everything off of our circumstances and how good or how how bad our lives may seem. We base how we we act towards somebody by how they react towards us. We give love based on who we think deserves it. We forgive based on who we think deserves it. And that's why we have so many professing Christians who constantly grumble and who are constantly discontent. So many of us are like the Israelites who would rather go back into slavery and sin rather than be in freedom in the wilderness. Remember what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And all we can do is ask that the Holy Spirit would convict our hearts to know that, man, this is the truth. This is who I am. This is how I want to move forward. That if that isn't true for you, that if you aren't convicted of this, pray for it. Pray for it. Ask that the Lord would convict your heart that this would be the truth for you, that you would not begin basing how you react to how people or how circumstances are, that you would react based on what Jesus Christ has done for you. Pray for it. Church, this is all habit building. Build your joy today. Build your joy in the small things. Build your joy to be a habit so that when suffering approaches, you will sing to the Lord. Amen. And lastly, my third point is that Paul and Silas were free. Around midnight, God, he placed an earthquake in the jail. Now, how do we know that God did it? Well, it was powerful enough uh, that it opened all the prison doors, but it was quiet enough that the jailer was able to sleep through it, right? Right? Verse 27 says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. You see, my third point here is called Paul and Silas were free, but it's kind of a misnomer because even when they were in chains, Paul and Silas were already free. But the jailer, you see, what we know is that the jailer was in chains because for the jailer, he was completely focused upon his reputation. He was completely focused upon his honor. And once he realized that the cells were empty, once he realized that he would be ashamed in front of everybody, his life became meaningless and he was about to commit suicide. Church, here's the thing. If the meaning of your life, is in anything other than what Jesus Christ has done for you, then you are in chains. Because what that means is that when suffering and trials come, they are not going to build you up. They are not going to mature you towards Christ. What will happen is that it will destroy you because suffering is the one thing that can take away the meaning of your life. Because suffering can take away your health. It can take away your money, and it can take away your family. It can take away everything. And when your meaning of your life is based upon those things, when suffering comes, it's not going to point you towards Christ. It will point you away from him. But church, if your identity is in God, then what suffering will do, is it will only help you depend on him more. And, church, that's what the ultimate meaning of being free in Christ is. You see, I'm not trying to belittle our pain. I'm not trying to belittle suffering. What I'm saying is that if Jesus Christ is your center, then suffering is going to hurt, but it's not going to destroy you. Do you see that? Paul, even though he was in chains, you see, he was free. And the jailer, even though he had the keys, even though he had a sword, he was in chains. So Paul, he stops the jailer before he could kill himself and says, Look, look, don't do that. Everyone is still here. And so verse 30, 31 says, Then the jailer brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. See, in that moment, the jailer and his household believed, and they were freed. They were saved. You see, they were adopted. Do you see the contrast here that happens? Because it was only when Paul went to prison that the jailer was able to finally find God. It was only when Paul lost his physical freedom that the jailer was able to find his true freedom. And we see this contrast because this is the contrast that the gospel shows us. Because for us, we were dead. We were in chains to sin. It says in the Bible that we were slaves to sin. And that we were just trekking on that path. That we were heading towards hell. That there was nothing that we could do. And yet in that moment, Jesus Christ came down from his throne. And he took on physical punishment. He took on torture. He took on the worst death possible. Why? So that we could be free in him. So that when we believe, man, there's nothing that can hold us anymore, there's nothing here that can control us. You see, for Jesus, he was put under false accusations. For Jesus, he was not given a proper trial. For Jesus, he was beaten and he was killed voluntarily. And he did that, church, so that you and I could find freedom. Church, we have freedom in Christ. Life will be unfair, but you know what? That's going to be okay because we are free. So put the gospel first and foremost in your life, and you will not be shaken in this world. So sing, give thanks, and be joyful always. Amen. Let's pray.